Hello, and welcome to Soothing Pods Sleep Stories. My name is Chris, and tonight I will be your guide as we journey to a painter's studio in England to explore a retelling of the classic tale, The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Before we begin, however, let us take a moment to relax and find comfort in the space that we're in, here and now. Close your eyes and allow your body to sink into the mattress beneath you. Here and now, there are no expectations. There is no to-do list. All you are here to do now is rest. And your rest begins with your eyes closed as you lie still. As your body relaxes more and more and more, your mind will soon follow. And to encourage your body to relax, I invite you to take a deep breath in. Feel that breath as it fills your lungs, causing your chest and your belly to expand. This breath is nourishing, providing you with the soothing energy that your body needs here and now. As you exhale, imagine the tension of the day leaving with your breath. See all the negative energy float into the room above you until it dissipates and disappears, never to be seen again. You do not need to carry that with you any longer. You have permission to let it go and simply be here and now. With the negative energy leaving your body more and more with every breath, we are able to turn our attention to your muscles and the rest of your body. And to do that, we will begin by focusing our energy on your head and jaw. Take a nice deep breath in and out. And once you have that breath, we are going to do something that might feel rather strange for a moment. You are going to tense your head as much as you can, clench your jaw, squeeze your eyes shut, even tense your ears if you can. Take that deep breath in and tense. Feel that pressure and then slowly release it. Feel how utterly relaxed your body feels as it lets go of that moment of tension. Now, one more time. Take a deep breath in 
and tense. Feel that pressure and then slowly, slowly release it. Feel how light and relaxed your jaw is now. Your eyes feel a little more ready for sleep and all the tension you've been carrying there today is gone. And now we will move down your body. Turn your attention to both of your arms. As you take a deep breath in, you're going to tense them as much as you can. Ball your hands into fists, cross them over your chest, and pull them tight against your body. As you exhale, feel your arms plop down onto the bed beside you, weightless and relaxed after holding such tension. Hover in this moment for just a second. Notice how soothed your muscles feel, how much more ready they seem to be for bed. Now, turn your attention to your legs. When you breathe in, you're going to tense your legs as much as you can. Curl in your toes, bend your knees, and press them against one another as you let that tension Build and build. Breathe in and tense your legs and feet. As you exhale, feel your legs straighten a bit and relax, sinking just a bit deeper into the mattress beneath you. This moment we took to help our muscles prepare for bed brings us one step closer to preparing our minds to rest. Know that you can return to this exercise any time you become restless or need some help relaxing. It is here as a tool for you, just as I am here to help guide you to a night of utterly peaceful and relaxing sleep. Now that we have taken the time to unwind and find peace and comfort in the space that we are in here and now, let us begin our story. Basil Hallward gazed out of the window of his carriage as it weaved through the rainy streets of London. It was a breathtakingly beautiful day, and though some would consider it dreary, Basil considered it to be the greatest day of all. On rainy days, he felt as if his well of inspiration was at its deepest. Something about the mist in the air refreshed him, filling him with vigor and reminding him of his purpose here on earth. 
rainy days more than on any other. He felt like himself. He put his palm flat against the window, feeling the cool touch of the condensation and relishing it. Outside, the fog mingled with the old brick and stone building. In many of the windows, candles flickered against the dewy window panes. Inside, Basil imagined that families were curled up around crackling fireplaces, tucking into bowls of soup as they swapped stories and spoke in low whispers to one another, as if they didn't want the rain to hear them. Basil sometimes found himself longing for those experiences, living in the traditional family, with a wife who cared deeply for him, a wife who would awaken him with a kiss each morning and meet him at the kitchen table with breakfast ready so they could talk about their plans for the day. Truly, he wanted a partner. But, for Basil, that partner would never be a woman, which was a secret that he intended to keep. He shifted his gaze away from the homes and lives that he knew deep down he didn't want, and instead looked at the streets. There were merchants and artists selling their wares even on a rainy, dreary day like this. Though, no one was walking the streets and buying them. The artists and merchants had smiles on their faces. They were sitting under whatever shelter they could to keep dry from the rain and they were talking to one another and laughing so loudly that Basil could hear them from his carriage. Artists and creators could always connect over something. Even in the harshest of conditions, even when financially things were looking a bit bleak. But, for Basil, things never looked bleak financially. He was a well-established artist, an artist who was far from starving. He was well-liked and revered in the community, a man of class, culture, wealth, and dignity. And he was on his way to visit his aunt, yet another person who lived a life of dignity and wealth. Lady Brandon was one of Basil's closest family members, a woman he admired greatly. Truly, Basil had been stagnant with his art for quite some time, and even with this rain, he felt like something was missing. 
he was itching for a change, and hoped that being here with Lady Brandon and getting away from his side of London would provide him with the artistic inspiration he needed to get out of this rut. He had tried not to become discouraged with himself, but that was a task much easier said than done. The carriage rolled up to the stately home, more lavish and stunning than any of the others they had passed thus far. There was a garden that wrapped around the sides and back of the home, and every single window was aglow with the light of flickering candles. The home itself, painted in a vibrant blue, seemed to pop out against the grey sky, defying the weather and reminding those around of blue skies ahead. Basil stepped out of the carriage and took a deep breath of the chilly morning air. The rain was starting to pick up now, and though the driver offered Basil an umbrella, he refused. The driver rolled his eyes slightly, the kind of look he would give someone else to say, artists, right? Basil meandered towards the home, as the driver brought in his suitcase, a case filled with all his painting supplies and clothes for his stay here. He felt the potential more and more with every step he took. Perhaps it was the fresh air filling his lungs in a way it never had before. Perhaps... It was the promise of the days ahead with his beloved aunt. Perhaps it was the inspiration of the rain. Or perhaps it was something more. Something magical. Something he could not put his finger on. He took one last deep breath of fresh air. Before knocking on the door using the large golden door knocker. An antique piece he had bought with Lady Brandon when they went on a trip together many, many moons ago. Lady Brandon answered the door with a brilliant smile on her face, embracing Basil with a hug. They were thick as thieves, and Basil was excited to spend some time with her. But Lady Brandon wasn't alone. She led Basil through the magnificent halls of marble and mahogany into a study on the far side of the house. A study adorned with bookcases as high as the eye could see and windows that lined the entire back wall from floor to ceiling. And standing in front of those windows, which looked out 
into the vibrant green grass and the impossibly dark clouds was the silhouette of a man. Basil stared at this man with surprise and curiosity for a moment. He had a beautiful shape. He almost seemed too perfect to be true. Like a Greek statue that had been etched out of the darkness moments before he came into the room. But then, the man turned and looked at Basil. And in that moment, Basil's whole world shifted on its axis. Dorian was a man of impossible beauty. He was a moving statue, something not even the Renaissance masters would be capable of painting. For a moment, all Basil could do was stare at Dorian in complete and utter awe of him. He had dark hair that fell in waves on his forehead, ringlets that curled just above his eyebrows, framing his eyes in a way that made Basil's stomach drop. His eyes were not a color that Basil had seen before, a color that existed nowhere else in nature. They were such a light blue that they almost appeared to be clear, reflecting flecks of ice blue as they caught the light. His chin was strong and defined, his lips pink and plush as they curled into a smile. A dimple appeared on the right side of his face, just beneath his mouth. Dorian Gray, the man said, approaching Basil with his hand outstretched. Basil composed himself in an instant, trying not to draw attention to the overwhelming way that Dorian made him feel. Basil Hallward, Basil replied, the words rolling off his tongue as smooth as honey. Dorian smiled at Basil, telling him that Lady Brandon had told him what a phenomenal painter Basil was. And, looking at his work, it's clear that she was telling the truth. Dorian had never seen such remarkable, expressive art before. The two talked about art for quite some time, sitting on the plush green velvet couches in the library. Behind them, the rain pelted the windows. Nature's soundtrack to their first encounter together. As they spoke, Basil could hardly keep his eyes off Dorian. He knew he must look rather strange, staring at the man this way. But he couldn't help himself. It was, truly, like he was a being from a fictional world 
a Greek god or hero that had been sent down to Earth on a quest to save it, to retrieve something. Basil learned that Dorian was a well-respected man. He was young, exploring the world for the first time with fresh eyes. He was a cultured, worldly man with wealthy parents and a good upbringing. And most of all, he was kind. He was a gentle soul, a person who saw beauty and promise in the world, the kind of person that had not yet experienced any horrors or stresses of life that could alter his worldview. And Basil knew at that moment that he did not want Dorian's worldview to shift. Speaking to someone with so much hope and goodness was refreshing from the circles he ran in, where drinking and cynicism and long nights out on the town were common. And yet, when Basil shook Dorian's hand goodbye for the day, he was struck with a very strange feeling. The man was beautiful and worldly and a wonderful conversationalist, but Basil felt a deep dread well within him when their hands touched. He tried to shake it off, thinking instead of Dorian's beauty. That night, all Basil could think of was painting a portrait of Dorian. He knew that as soon as morning came, he would have to ask Dorian to model for him. He was uncharacteristically nervous to ask the question, but he knew he must. And the next morning, bright and early, he did, as they dined on fresh croissants and jam made fresh from the garden berries. Basil spoke with Dorian about his desire to paint him. Dorian was thrilled by the idea, agreeing to sit down and model for Basil as often as he wanted. And so, a new relationship bloomed between the two. Dorian became Basil's muse, and Basil became a man inspired anew. He was becoming the artist he had been craving to be for quite some time. As he was starting to envisage the painting, Basil could not imagine painting Dorian as he was. He sat Dorian down on a chair in front of the large windows in the library, the windows that were slick with the London rain. With the grey haze behind him, he was somehow even more beautiful. Basil was overwhelmed with powerful emotions that seemed to spring from his feet all the way up through his body. 
he couldn't contain them. He couldn't contain the way that he was feeling. So, instead of painting Dorian as he was, he painted him as he saw him. He dipped his brush into the paint, drawing out some subtle grey tones for the background. He blended them together until it was a haze that matched the backdrop of the rainy scenery behind him. And then he drew a portrait of Dorian as a Greek god. He sat atop a throne of gold, a throne that extended high toward the ceiling. He looked powerful, yet not overtly masculine nor intimidating on the throne. He leaned slightly forward in it, with a glint in his gorgeous, icy blue eyes. There was a feminine energy to him, a feminine energy that spoke to his beauty in his power. His arms were draped over the sides of the chair, with one slightly raised, and a finger gently resting beneath his lips. As he painted, in his mind, Basil told himself of a story of Dorian as a Greek god. He was a god of beauty, a muse. He inspired those around him and floated into parties to bring a sense of calm and peace. He made those around him reflective. Perhaps he had been tossed from the heavens for being too beautiful at one point. Perhaps he had been turned into an animal of some kind or rejected by the fellow gods. Whatever had happened to him, he had returned on top, and he was clearly immensely proud of it, rightfully where he belonged. When Basil showed Dorian the portrait, Dorian was in complete awe. He had never seen a portrait of himself so beautiful. When he thanked Basil, there was a spark in his eye. He laid a hand on Basil's shoulder to sincerely thank him, and, as he did, spirals of warmth made their way through Basil's body. For a small instant, Basil felt like he couldn't even breathe properly. Overwhelmed with inspiration, Basil wanted to paint more portraits of Dorian, and... Dorian obliged. Every day, Basil would create a painting of Dorian that was even better than the last. And yet, none of them were accurate depictions. He painted him as mythological figures, as more Greek heroes fighting monsters and carting away riches after a successful quest. 
each time Basil painted, Dorian and Basil would talk about everything and nothing at all. Basil greatly admired Dorian's love of the world and his positivity. It was something that brought a smile to his face and made him admire Dorian even more. But one day, Dorian looked at all the beautiful portraits that Basil had completed. He looked at the stories they held of myths, of legends, but he did not see himself in them. They were all paintings that had been inspired by his presence, but they were not of him. He asked Basil if he would try to do one just of him. And Basil agreed, his heart thrumming in his chest. The next day was not just a rainy day, but a stormy one. As Basil painted Dorian, thunder crashed overhead on occasion crackling through the tension in the room with ease. During this session, Basil had to remain entirely focused on Dorian in a way he hadn't before. There was no room for swords or crowns of gold or flowers here. This was just Dorian. And Dorian was certainly more than enough. With every stroke of his brush, it was as if Basil was putting himself on the canvas, as if he was admitting his truth. He felt like he was bleeding out onto the canvas for all to see, for Dorian to see. And yet, when he made his final brush stroke, he could not help but smile. It was cathartic. His whole body was exhausted. As if he had just taken part in a Greek myth himself. When Dorian saw the painting, he was in absolute awe. He told Basil he had never seen something so beautiful. While Dorian was admiring the painting, Basil was watching him and his reaction. The way the excitement sparkled in his eyes and his lips parted slightly. The way he reached out as if to touch the painting, but had to stop himself when he remembered that the paint was still wet. They bid farewell for the night, and as Basil shut the door behind Dorian, he felt a strange wave of emotions crash over him. The next morning, as the sun rose over the estate, Basil went down to the study to look at the painting himself. It was beautiful. It was Dorian, and for that reason, 
Basil felt slightly embarrassed. The painting was created from the perspective of someone in love. It was impossible to hide the emotions that the painting evoked. He had painted Dorian in such a light that his own feelings were undeniable. Just as he was about to tuck the portrait away, he heard the study door open. When he turned, he was surprised to see Lord Henry Wotton, a family friend with quite a history. He was a man of scandal and joy, a man who enjoyed nothing more than celebrating youth and self-indulgence, living recklessly, pleasure by pleasure. He was a hedonistic man. The moment he laid his eyes on the painting, he stopped in his tracks. He told Basil that the painting was by far his finest work, a masterpiece that belonged in a museum. Basil suddenly felt mortified. He told Lord Watton that the painting disappointed him because feelings were far too intertwined with it. Lord Watton strongly disagreed, urging Basil to sell him the painting, but Basil refused. Then there was another knock on the door. When Dorian walked in, Basil's heart sank. Dorian was young, impressionable, a man with such a positive, wholesome view of the world. Basil instantly feared that the hedonistic, cynical worldview of Lord Henry Wotton would alter Dorian forever, and for good reason. They all sat down to engage in their first conversation together. And, by the end of the conversation, Basil could see things going south. Lord Henry Wotton went on one of his usual rants, telling Dorian about how fleeting youth and beauty are, about how these qualities are all that matters in this world. Dorian found himself looking at his hands, and then gently touching his face. He was a smart man. He knew that his beauty and youth were two of his most alluring, valuable characteristics. He had never thought of them passing, of them fading away. Frustrated, he cursed his beautiful painting, wishing that it could carry the burden of time instead of him wishing that he could stay young and beautiful forever. Once more, Lord Henry looked at Basil, telling him that he wanted the painting. Frustrated with the discussion, Basil coolly told him that the painting belonged to Dorian. And from then on, things began to shift in a way that Basil was not at all happy with looking for an older figure to inspire him, and greatly fearing the loss of his beauty. Dorian began
began to accompany Lord Henry to parties. He became a disciple in a way. Disciple of the new hedonism that Lord Henry pushed on those around him. Dorian vowed to seek pleasure above all else, above morality, above stability, above responsibility. From afar, Basil watched as Dorian began to change, visiting a theater in the slums for a night of pleasure. Dorian found himself falling in love with a young actress called Sybil Vane. She was talented, and Dorian greatly admired her acting ability. The two struck up a romance, a romance that Basil chose to ignore, sinking back into his paintings to distract himself. Soon, Sybil fell as madly for Dorian as he fell for her. Every night, he would visit and watch her from the booth, a smile on his face as she was illuminated by the lights, glowing like the angel that he believed she was. They would travel all over the city together after, drinking, dancing, partaking in activities that most people wouldn't dare to. Dorian burnt through his finances with ease and abandon on this quest for pleasure with his new love. And the more time they spent together, the deeper Sybil fell for Dorian. It was her first time ever being in love. Though she had depicted it on stage many, many, many times. This was new. This was different. When Dorian proposed, she said yes without hesitation. But when she returned to the stage, her acting suffered. She could no longer act being in love now that she had truly experienced love for the first time. Her acting was like night and day, and it didn't take long for people to notice. Disappointed with her, having fallen in love with her because of her ability to act, Dorian called off the engagement. Sybil was heartbroken in a way she had never been before. She begged Dorian to stay, to be with her, but that was not the way Lord Henry had taught him to act. He went out until well into the morning with Lord Henry. On his way back to his house, he spotted Basil getting in a coach, ready to return back to his home. His heart ached at the sight of Basil, and he thought for the first time in quite some time about how he felt with him. He stepped in his house and went to the closet, retrieving the portrait of him that Basil had painted on that stormy, rainy day. But 
when he flipped the portrait over, he could not believe his eyes. The painting had changed. What had once been a strong, beautiful, angelic expression was now a sneer. He could see new lines around the eyes, angry, tired lines. The lines of someone who stayed up partying all night. And for the first time, Dorian realized the truth. His curse and wish that his portrait would age instead of himself had worked. This painting was aging and changing instead of him. He stared at the ink for quite some time, his eyes wide. In the distance, he could hear the wheels of the carriage taking Basil from the city. And with him, the inspiration unlike any he had ever experienced before. I hope you have enjoyed this sleep story, and it has brought you a night of peaceful, relaxing sleep. Please join me again tomorrow for another sleep story. Until then, sweet dreams. <laughs>